So don't call Cameron a big smelly poo-poo head because he'll hear it. <laughs> Minasan konnichiwa. NFR Scott Rando podcast no episode hakkikyu e yokozo. Yes, and on a week that we were number two in the charts for American football podcasts in Japan. That was, of course, welcome to episode 109 of the NFL Scotland podcast. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. And what is set to be our scriptwriter's last week, we stay in the East as we'll hear some moans about Daniel Jones. Do the Cowboys grow or rot under the leadership of Prescott? Will Eagles fans turn to their parson if they've any chance of a bowl win under Carson? And is anything but last just a dream for the Washington football team? <laughs> we'll be giving some more information on our week one party packs, including some exciting exclusive competitions for those who snap one up. To do all that, we're delighted to be joined by two of the NFL Scotland team as Eagles fan Ian Stephen and Giants fan Jamie Borthwick get their chance to stake a claim for a Super Bowl run this season. This should be good. So, Ian, Philadelphia last year, 9-7 and seven, and a wild-card playoff loss to the Seahawks. They're going to be better this year because... They've got their injured players back, essentially. Um, and hopefully Jadavian Clowney doesn't elicit any more illegal hits on one of the league's best players without any protection from the officials. The Eagles have... Um, They've managed to rehabilitate what's effectively their, their skill core. So when they were on the, the late run at the end of the season, getting in the playoffs, they had backups to backups playing a wide receiver. Uh, Greg Ward stepped forward and was excellent. And hopefully he's earned a, a roster place this time. But Deshaun back, uh, Jackson's back fit again. And he's still one of the premier uh, deep targets in the NFL. Um and they've drafted Jalen Rager, who's also a, another uh, speed target. They really went heavy in speed in the draft, bringing in John Hightower as well, Quez Watkins. They traded for Marquise Gooden, but he stepped out now because of coronavirus. Um, family concerns for him. Alshon Drefje is still coming back from a, a foot injury, so he's, he's going to be on, on pup uh, for eight weeks. And they've also um, hedged against any form of uh, illegal uh, clownery by drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round. For me, I felt that was inspired. Um, if you look at the top football teams nowadays, they don't just have one good goalkeeper, they have two good goalkeepers. So you're looking at Juventus, Barcelona, Manchester United, Manchester City even though only one goalkeeper plays, they make sure they've got two really good goalkeepers just in case. And that's effectively what the Eagles have done. You can only really play one quarterback at a time. We won't get into Taysom Hill arguments. But um, if Wentz does go down, touch wood that he doesn't, they're bringing in somebody who's got the skill set to excel in what will be a very high-pressured situation. The guys that come in and do well, maybe after coming, having to come in second, third quarter, are usually guys that have got very mobile traits, so they're able to move and create because they don't have experience of running with the first team receivers. Um, the offensive line doesn't really know how to pass it for them yet, so they're probably going to get flushed quite a lot. So I think the Eagles have really, really tried to build depth. If you look at the defensive side for the Eagles as well, they brought in um, quite a lot of talent along the defensive line. Bringing in J uh, Javon Hargrave at um, defensive tackle was Unforeseen, but it was heralded effectively by the Eagles fan base because they've got Malik Jackson coming back off our list rank injury. So you've got a rotation of Flexer Cox, Javon Hargrave and Malik Jackson in the centre of your defence with Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett coming off the edges. It's an incredibly um, physical, fast, veteran defensive line that the Eagles have got as well. And also bringing in Darius Slay at cornerback. He's arguably the best shadower at cornerback in the NFL. Most corners usually just tend to stick to left or right and don't move around the formation. But Slay shadows. He takes the best guy out of the game if he can. It might not necessarily be the, the best 
purely in terms of skin, skill set, but part of it comes down to what the mental makeup of the player is as well, how intelligent he is and how effectively arrogant he is. Because if you're being told you're taking out Julius Jones, you're taking out Michael Thomas, you've got to be beyond confident in your mindset that you can shadow this guy for 60-odd offensive plays in every single game. Jamie, I thought it was quite interesting that the Eagles had that run of three defeats and then suddenly came up against their fellow members of the NFC East and cruised to the title in the end. They are the yardstick within the division. Yeah, I, <laughs> they have been. They have been. Let's be honest, it's not been a world-beating division for, well, too long now. Um, well, two, two years, Jamie. Come on, we, we won this all two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one one year out of out of quite a few then. All right, that was that was a, that was a weird year as well, and one that I will try to tend to forget. <laughs> um, but it means that you, that you can build up uh, momentum in the division because you've had some pretty poor teams in there, particularly in the Giants and the Washington Football Team. Um, yeah, uh, it, there was occasions where it looked like any of the the, the, the the teams in that in that division could have gone on a wee on a wee run and, and, and got themselves up there. Billy, I think, have got the best. Uh, I don't know. They're, they're, they're the most stable. They're probably the best coached, uh, and they they know how to string those wins together in a way that uh, well, New York and Washington haven't had for a while, um, and Dallas have kind of forgotten. The the difference the difference between Dallas and we'll probably get into it in depth, but the difference between Dallas and Philly compared to Washington and New York is the offensive line because Dallas and Philly are returning Pro Bowl players, all pro players on their offensive line. New York are trying to build theirs. I don't think Washington think they need one. Um the Eagles had a major blow because Brandon Brooks went out with uh, an Achilles tendon injury and, and Brandon Brooks is in the, the top three guards in the, the NFL Martin and Dallas and, and Quentin Nelson at Indianapolis those three are the, the elite and, and Brooks went down they've decided to um, kind of replace Brooks by bringing in the, the man mountain that is Jason Peters and they're effectively just going to tell him to stand at the right guard position and somebody's going to have to take a year and a half try to run round him, he's such a mammoth mountain of a man um, it's quite impressive when you're able to do something like that. You can take somebody who's played left tackle all his career and say, you fancy having, you know, just a wee swung song at right guard and Peters just says, yeah, let's do it. It's going to be it's really interesting to see. It's either going to be a phenomenal bust or he's going to have one of the best seasons ever by an interior lineman in NFL history. Yeah, the Giants have spent a lot of draft capital on the line and they've hit a couple of busts. So, so much riding on Andrew Thomas for them, particularly as he's going to be on the left now with, with Nate Solder sitting the season out. So that brings me to your Giants, Jamie. And the question is, the New York Giants will win the division for the first time since 2011 because? Because they're a year older, because they're going to be better coached than they have been in a while. Um I, I, I like there was a recommendation from Belichick, obviously, but I quite I liked the, the fact that they went with Joe Judge. Having at the time, no one saw it coming. I don't think he was mentioned for any anywhere else. But the more I listen to him, the more I hear about him, the more I think that the guy is going to be a good fit in in, in New York. Um, the age thing, yeah, obviously, um, Daniel Jones. Uh, they were very happy with his his rookie year, and they feel like he's going to. Uh, kick on and do even better now but but the age thing mainly comes on the other side of the ball that defence is very young I think 26 is about the oldest that they've got amongst their starters um, Xavier McKinney was a great second round uh, draft pick and he'll partner with Jabril Peppers in the secondary which has been a massive problem pass rush is mm, a big question mark they're probably going to be Reliant on their pickup, Kyler Fackrell, to really lead that, because that was something that was just almost entirely missing for them last year. But their interior is good. They've they've, um, they've they've got big big men in B.J. Hill and Dexter Lawrence who have really tightened up the the interior. It's going to be hard to run against New York, but uh, the problem for the last couple Jamie, of years has been you can throw over the top of them at will. 
So that's where the big change has got to come. And they may not have DeAndre Baker. We don't know how that's all going to play out after his arrest in the off-season. But uh, James Bradbury is the pick-up from the Panthers. is, is looks pretty solid in terms of, of, of trying to get the, the corners locked down. On the Jamie, offense, uh, Jamie, sorry, Jamie, can I butt in, Jamie? Pa- yeah. pa- Pat Graham's the new defensive coordinator for the Giants. Yeah. Have they kind of said what kind of scheme he's going to be running? I believe they're going to stick with the, the three-four up front because that um, that that makes it, it's bizarre them doing that because you could argue that Leonard Williams is their best player, but he's not hmm. suited for playing that technique at defensive end where he's effectively trying to hold up the opposition's um, pass blockers he's, he's great if he played perhaps free technique at a defensive tackle, you could maybe stick him in the end as a rush but it seems like a kind of misuse for him. I'm not sure, I'm not sure if they're giving up on him entirely as a pass rusher but I, I, I think they, 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 they like him bookending Probably, probably Lawrence in the, in, as, the, as the nose tackle and just being a, being a stopper. He's, he's, a, he's a tough man to move, but not sure if he, if he can really get on the outside and cause consistent problem. I think they're looking further back than that for the, the speed to come from, uh, from the, the outside linebackers at the edge. Um, that'll be one to, to play out. I'm not sure exactly until we get into... Um, you know, the proper camps, exactly how that's all going to play out. My, my worry for the Giants, that there's a Disney song that's great, big, beautiful tomorrow, you know, coming on the horizon. It seems like that, you know, the Giants could adopt that because it almost seems like every year there's a little bit of hope. I mean, if, if you look at last season, and I'm not trying to rub this in, you know, a nine-game losing streak, you're worse than 76. You had more arrests in the closed season than you did Pro Bowl players selected last term. There was that awful 76-point shootout with the Redskins, which is one of these games you're not sure if you actually feel you deserve to win because it's just ugly. I mean, and, and the worrying thing, and the serious thing was there seemed to be a disconnect with the fan base. Now, you talk about the new head coach. I mean, part of what he's got to do, Jamie, is actually repair a lot of this stuff. It's, they've gone so far departed from the whole Tom Coughlin um vibe from the whole kind of ethos that he had running through it of stability and discipline and everyone understanding their role and everyone just going out there and doing the role to the best of their ability. It's been eroded. I think it was the third coaching change in five years. And let's be honest, Gettleman's probably on his final warning now as well. And if it doesn't work out, then it's going to be another back office change as well. Sorry, front office change as well. So, yeah, there's been in flux. They really, really need stability. They really, really need um, a culture there. I think, you know, he mentioned the arrests. You know, it's, I guess, you know, whenever you see that sort of uh, ill discipline, you've got to think, well, that, that's got to be a cultural problem somewhere in there. That, you know, you can't imagine major starters, major players, first-round draft picks going out and getting themselves arrested when they knew that Tom Coughlin was sitting on the other end of the phone. Um, so that is a, that's, you know, that's a, a big one for Joe Judge. And I, I, think, he's, I think he's tried to, to instill a kind of, at, at least um, an early perception that he's not going to be someone to be messed with. He's young and this is his first head coaching gig and he needs to get that off off pat right away. Uh, otherwise, he, you know, he could just end up sliding like the, like the last couple. Ian, let's move to Dallas. And of course, a new era in Dallas. Jason Garrett wasn't sacked. He didn't have his contract renewed. I think that was the kind way of putting it. I think he had, he had 11 years. He, he certainly had a go. He had his good times and bad times. But they've not taken a chance. They've brought in Mike McCarthy. So... Mike McCarthy will make the difference in Dallas because? It's going to be completely and utterly fresh and new. Um, He's going to take the talents that Ezekiel Elliott and that offensive line have, and he is going to limit the inabilities of uh, Dak Prescott, I think, in that offense. They've got experience with Mike Nolan coming in as the defensive coordinator, but they've also got 
fresh ideas with Kellen Moore um, stepping up from quarterbacks coach to be offensive coordinator. Um, interesting to see who's going to be calling the plays because McCarthy likes calling the plays himself. He did that in Green Bay, so it'll be interesting to see um, what happens with them. But there's they've got the second best running back in the NFL in Ezekiel Elliott, let's be honest. I, I think Saquon Barkley's the best. But what Elliott has that Barkley doesn't is a supporting cast with um, the supreme talent that they now have at the wide receiver position, re-signing Amari Cooper and then bringing in C.D. Lamb completely unexpectedly in the draft. Nobody saw that coming when they went for him. And he was my favourite receiver in the draft. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. They're both the same type of player, though. They're both guys that need get 10 yards down the field and then make their break. They're so good at um, running their routes. And C.D. Lamb's so good at going up and getting the ball at high point. But they don't have the safety blanket anymore with um, Jason Witten disappearing. Um, bizarre seeing him in a, a, another uniform. Uh, hey, as long as he's not in the broadcast booth, mate, I don't care what he <laughs> wears. Blake Jarwin's going to be um, replacing him. The Cowboys have got a lot of talent. They've brought in experience in the defensive line, Gerald McCoy and Dantari Poe, defensive tackle. The Marcus Lawrence is a force if he stays out of trouble. Um, Van Der Esch, Smith and Lee at linebacker are good. You could argue their weakness is the, the secondary. Chidobe Awutsi and Trayvon Diggs maybe aren't the, the best tandem um, at corner. They lost Byron Jones in free agency purely because they, they couldn't afford to re-sign him. There's so many players that needed to uh, be re-signed that were ahead of him in the queue. Number one was Dak Prescott, and, and he's on the franchise tag for their season, £31 million he's counting against. Um, he's effectively playing for his career in Dallas at this moment, so he's, he's motivated because McCarthy's going to be assessing him in a different way than Jason Garrett was assessing him. And as much as you think that Jerry Jones likes Prescott. He was his pick, so he's always going to endorse him. If McCarthy's nibbling away in his ear saying, listen, the guy doesn't have it, he can't run this offense, X, Y, and Z, then it's going to be his last season in Dallas, and they would need to start effectively rebuilding again around another quarterback. The question is, is that quarterback already there and Andy Dalton just sitting and waiting in the wings as a backup? Because in a stable system, Dalton showed that he could play, he could get a team into the playoffs. He couldn't do anything once they were there, but he could get the team into the playoffs. And the NFL is cutthroat. If if um, Dallas don't start well enough, if Dallas start 4-4, four 3-5, and four, three and five, Prescott could get hooked and it could be Dalton that's the starter for the second half of the season. So it's really intriguing to see what happens there. Jamie, I'm always concerned when teams franchise tag their quarterback. It's almost like... Either are they undecided, couldn't they get the deal done? It's never an ideal way to start. I mean, we saw Kirk Cousins had two years of it in Washington, made a fortune and then eventually went elsewhere. Given the fact there is, as Ian mentioned, a good backup in behind them, what kind of year do we expect from Dak? Well, there's question marks come over Dak recently, hasn't there? I mean, when he came in, he was playing behind one of the best O-lines we've seen um, in a very, very long time. It's maybe not, it's still there, it's not quite the force it was perhaps, and maybe that's where the question marks were emerging. How reliant was he on the supporting cast rather than on his own innate talent? And uh, that is the question he's got to answer emphatically uh, this year um, to show that, you know, he's a guy who's, who's worth that. Now, he's probably shown, you know, Sorry, Cousins rather has probably shown that there's there's uh, life out there for 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 guys who have uh, have taken the franchise tag who maybe have never proven themselves right up in the elite. Um, but yeah, like like all of Dallas, there's just there's the, that sort of embodies it this year, doesn't he? That there's uh, the potential there. They've shown that they can go uh, win the division and 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 challenge in the playoffs. Um, but, uh, but can they do it under a new era? You know, is, is this a, a guy who can, can lead a franchise through various iterations um, or is he someone who's going to find himself caught with this new pressure coming in behind him? You can be a, a cynic and you can question whether this is a Machiavellian move by bringing in Dalton because they want Dak to fail. 
because look at Pat Mahomes' contract. Unless they're convinced that Dak is a top five quarterback, they might not want to pay in excess of what Mahomes got because they will have to. The next quarterback will have to be signed for more money. That's the way it works in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And they, they might not want to splash that amount of cash on somebody who's just a, a effectively a mid-level journeyman quarterback. They, they might effectively want Dalton to supplant Dak so they don't have to pay him and they can reset and start again. It's a damn smart move on that count. It really is because, um, well, we say there's, there's question marks over whether you know Dak is a is a is a franchise guy for the rest of his career. I don't. I think there's a question mark over the all of the writing off of Andy Dalton that there's been. He's, I don't think he is a scrap heap quarterback. Um, I think there is something in the right scheme in the right place under the right coach uh, that Dalton can be a, a starter again. So yeah, it's. It, it's clever. It works. It's it's really it's smart management by Dallas. So the fourth and final team in the NFC East have had a very quiet off season. We've hardly heard anything about them. So we, I'd like to give them some air time as well. If we have a little look back to Washington last year, Jay Gruden out after over five. Bill Callahan then comes in three and eight. We're looking at potentially a new name. A new stadium name potentially as well if they don't get that. They've retired the logo, they sacked the general manager. There's potential lawsuits coming up. Uh Daniel Snyder, can I can I suggest Daniel Snyder may win handsomely out of this because there is every chance that they get back to move to the old RFK stadium, which they may well renovate or rebuild, which I think was his plan all along. Is that fanciful? Dan Snyder needs a win in the eyes of the fans anyway. He's not a popular man amongst that fan base um, at all. Um, You know, maybe we talk about blowing up a a roster, maybe blowing up an organisation could work for Dan Snyder here. Um, It's, you know, it's it's fast. It's it's, it's almost exceeded any interest that there is uh, on the field. Um, so far, I mean, obviously, they'll be hoping to, to to get the focus back on what happens in their season. Um, but it's been kind of soap operatic, hasn't it? It's been it's been really really uh, interesting to see all the changes that this place is going through, all the uncertainty that brings. And you know, I'm not sure that the the recent years Washington Redskins identity culture, if we come back to that again, is one that they we wanted to hang on to anyway so a fresh start could be you know absolutely what's uh, just the, just the ticket for them now yeah I mean I think that the time had come I mean you know we, we talked about this a little bit on the podcast that the origins of the name Redskin was because the owners who created the franchise wanted an Indian background they wanted that warrior like it wasn't done as a slight back then it was done as it was a very deliberate deliberate take now some people are talking about the Chiefs but the Chiefs are actually named after somebody's nickname who was called the Chief they then embraced an Indian heritage so it'll be interesting to see how that goes obviously they've no additional names so you know hail to the Rivera's might have to be the way. And Ron Rivera coming in. It's the only way I think they can keep it for, for this year. They're very attached to it. Ron Rivera's come in. I, I think he's a fascinating coach, and he's, he's had success. He seems to be a thinker. He seems not to want to rush into anything. And he's got a lot of room. I think no matter what they do this year, he comes back next year because I think there really is only one way they can go, and that is up. Listen, they also they, they always compare American football effectively to like a battle or like war. And you've got the the Eagles with Doug Peterson arriving in the battlefield in an Apache attack helicopter. And you've got um, Mike McCarthy arriving in the battlefield in an M1 Abrahams tank. You've got Ron Rivera arriving in the battlefield on a motorcycle with um, sidecar. And in the sidecar is Jack Del Rio. And they've got uh, single action shot rifles. And uh, they're just hoping that a cigarette packet in their top left pocket will stop any bullets. That effectively is what they have coming into Washington. It is a sitcom. It is like Dad's Army. They are going to be slow, intransigent, dull. They're going to be plodding. This is just a season of, guys, we've got to get through this. Let's just, let's not, 
let's not do a New York and get everyone arrested. Let's try and finish the season two and fourteen, and um, we'll move on because there's not a single player that you would take to put on your team. I don't think so. I don't think there's a single player that I would say would make the Eagles better, would make the Cowboys better, would make the Saints better. Um, well, I mean, I do like Chase Young at, at number two. I mean, yeah, he's got to prove himself. Sorry, yeah, Chase Young. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's completely unproven. He's not, he's not played. But he is maybe the only shining light in a very journeyman Dwayne Haskins at quarterback when they could have taken tour I don't understand that at all that just spoke of a team that are desperate to get rid of this season um, I don't know if they've scouted ahead they think they've got a chance of getting Trevor Lawrence um, or a couple of our guys coming out um, um, Fields I think is coming out as well but it's just there's there's no. I mean, they're going to completely turn around it. They're going to go fifteen and one and make me look like an idiot. But <laughs> that 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 would be something, Jamie. I I love a little bit of a conspiracy theory, as you know. Now, there's there's a couple of schools of thought on this, so I'll I'll see where you, you go. Now, the Redskins' name has been unpopular with certain people for quite a while. Now, you would have thought they had a plan B in place. Now, that would have been logo name. You know, all the various trademarking you would have to do, the various designs. Now, I'll put it to you that they have all that in place, but they don't want to sully next year with that name. So they're going to go with the Washington football team and then hopefully till better times and just and relaunch it. Is, it. is that completely crazy? No, I wouldn't call that a conspiracy theory. I would call that having quite a strong uh, marketing management team. No, absolutely, yeah. We would put it there, like... This, we, we talk about the, them, them trying to have a clean break here. I think that absolutely plays into it. I think, but either way, putting a year between the Redskins name and whatever comes next, which they probably know, uh, given the current state of their football team, as opposed to you know their overall operation, it's it's a, it's a good idea. It's just it's it's fairly uh, it's fairly sensible management. Will they prove everyone wrong and go 15-1 and one and want to hang on to the Washington football? I can see him just laughing at the... I've, I've, anything that happens in life makes me look like an idiot. Looking <laughs> in the mirror makes me look like an idiot. I do it every single morning. I would not be surprised if they end up having a fantastic season and I look like a complete and utter plum. But if you, if you contact Labrooks or William Hill, they'll give you odds of about 101 of it happening. There's, there's not much chance. I don't think there's a complete basket case that you make out. I think, yeah, yeah, Young will, will, will strengthen an already every, fairly decent defensive line. Every game they're in is going to be 16-13. Every game they're going to be in, it's, it's going to be the same. It's going to be dull and tedious. They're going to dominate time of possession. It's going to be like watching football from 1982 again, effectively. Just one other thing within this division. It's always been a division that has been coveted for television. But for the first time since 1999, Washington Football Club will not be on Monday Night Football. That's almost unheard of, and that really just shows how far down they've come in the overall scheme of things and how attractive they've been to television. I, I don't know if part of it is the 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 the, the worry about the marketing of them. Ha, have the TV company said, "Listen, there's controversy about their name. We we don't think we'll attract advertisers. Could you put somebody else in that slot? It's possible." Um, the division is. I mean, the division is the Cowboys and the Giants. That is the massive fan bases. And you could have the Cowboys and the Giants struggling badly for 10 years and they would still get on television. It's maybe not fair to smaller franchises, places like Tampa, who might, well, Tampa are going to be the darlings of the media this season, let's face it. But, like, for example, um, Los Angeles, I think there's a Los Angeles team, the Chargers. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. So they don't get much uh, coverage, but they they could end up. <laughs> the way it works out is the team that's never on Monday Night Football is the team that ends up surprising everybody and having a good run. How many dog recyclable poop 
games do we have to watch in November, December? Because people have forecasted, oh, Cincinnati against Cleveland's going to be great this year in November. And it's teams with one win uh, between them. Um, but it is, it is interesting that Washington aren't on there. You, you, when you think of Monday Night Football, they're a, they're a name that kind of pops in with the kind of 1980s theme music when you would start watching. I don't think there's any one factor there with uh, with Washington and, and Monday Night Football. It's the whole the whole gamut, isn't it? It's the name, the team being poor, the fans not even turning up. The place just seems to be full of despair and almost nihilism. Last year, actually, they were entirely their own fan base basically went along to kind of sit and huff and sigh. It's not very sellable at the moment, is it? Yeah, starts I mean, it starts I, at the top, guys. It's at the top. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's what every sports franchise, it starts at the top. And if you've got a numpty running the entire organisation, which Dan Snyder clearly is when it comes to football, he's a great businessman, but he's not a, he's not a good football operator. He's shown that from the, the minute he started signing people who are 60 years old to free agent contracts. Um, he needs to go. He needs to go. And there's such a huge historical part of the NFL, he could sell them, make a profit, but it's his ego that he wants that Super Bowl, he wants to have that picture of him lifting the Super Bowl trophy, but have they ever have they ever had a, a kind of UK football style sack the boards protests in America? I'm not sure if they've ever done that, have they? In terms of, I mean, most of the fans can't stand them and want rid of them, but I don't know if it's ever actually been like protests. I don't know, actually. This is why I should spend less time on Twitter reading the opinions of football fans and actually do a bit of reading up on it. You're an I'm investigative just, journalist. Put <laughs> him up and I'll interview him. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to I speak mean, to Dan, please. I mean, the bottom line is, guys, it, it's, it's his toy. It's his money. He doesn't have to sell. He doesn't have to do anything. And you could argue that there's been a few owners like that over the years. You know, it they're rich enough, they quite frankly don't care if that's their, their play thing and the you know, thing that keeps them in the national media, you know, and being shown on telly every Sunday in the owner's box. It, it, it's an ego thing. Now, a, can hey, I... Paul, Paul, i tell you something. I know one owner, in the, one owner of an American football uh, league that you wouldn't mess with. Tell me. The newest owner of the XFL. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll come to The Rock. I mean, obviously we're built in a similar physique, The Rock and I. Um, I think he might be slightly taller, but we'll, we'll come Listen, come back, listen, come you're making a joke about this. On Sunday when we met to do the filming, what was the first thing that I said to you when we met? Uh, that I looked gorgeous? I don't know. Remind I said, me. have you been working out? <laughs> you look swole. <laughs> Yeah, and I injured myself trying to practice punts. Yeah, so what's your son's delight? Oh, yeah, he, he took it. He took it really well. But but we'll, we'll not give too much of that away. That's for our week one of it. Oh, 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 no, hey guys, listen, you have to tune in to the week one show because Jamie Borthwick is going to have your jaws dropping to the ground. <laughs> You have to tune in. I don't care what's happening. Tune in to the NFL Scotland show on opening week, week one, to see Jamie Borthwick's performance. And, and because I think we've got to be fair, because Cameron can't join us for this part of the programme, and watch Cameron endanger the life of a child. <laughs> probably, probably what we, we should say. Now, now Jets... We've got to do the division picks in order, and then I've got to get your ridiculously early Super Bowl picks. Now, I might be going out on a limb here by putting Washington Redskins at the bottom of the division, but I need to know how you think this is going to go. So I'm going to go to Ian first of all. Are your Eagles going to do it, or will it be Dallas at the top of the pile? Um, I think it's going to be Dallas at the top of the pile, and I will give you the reason why. The second last game in the Eagle-Dallas uh, schedule is in Dallas, so that's week uh, 16 of the regular season. That's going to be the decider, and I think inside uh, on AstroTurf, I think Dallas will have the advantage. But it will be one of those... Both teams will be getting maybe like 11 and 4 into that game. Um, but I think Dallas might edge it. So I presume then Eagles second, Giants yeah. to beat the Redskins. Jamie, yes. what, what, what I'm interested in you, because it, it might be a fairly similar thing. So I'd like from you, not in addition to how you think they're going to finish, give me a rough idea where you think New York's record is going to be. I think that New York can get up to an 8-8 eight eight season. 
based fully based on the fact that the, the defence is getting better and better. And I think that that'll that'll be the major difference for them this 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 season. Um I can't disagree in terms of the, the order. I do think and this I'd be building up to this moment on day that Dallas are going to win the division. And there I've said it. Um, Philly will continue to be competent, but I'm not sure if it'll be enough for them to get above Dallas in this one. But I do think the Giants are going to improve a fair bit. Um, and yeah, I think I think a, a 500 season would be a pretty good return on where they are at the moment. I agree. I'm going to use Dallas as going to win the division as my new ringtone. <laughs> Because <laughs> it was said with such torture in your yeah, voice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I think New York, you know, I think they've got building blocks there. I think the Redskins are a step away. I think the Eagles, Dallas, it, it's one of these things, it, it gets, who comes out the gate quickest? I'll, I'll take the Eagles to to just come out, but that would require Dallas just not fulfilling the talent and, and what they have under mm-hmm. Mick McCarthy. Let's go to the bigger picture. We're asking for a ridiculously early Super Bowl prediction. So your AFC, your NFC, and your overall winner. Um, Jamie, I'll start with you, because I started with Ian for the last time. At this ridiculously early stage, and we don't know if there are going to be games, we hope so, who do you see top dogs in each conference? And I haven't even I haven't even given this much thought at all. Uh, um, That's probably the best way. You might come up with something inspired here. Just go for it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't think at this early stage there's any point in betting against Kansas, particularly given the style of uh, lead up to this that we're going to have. I think their continuity is going to count massively. So. Um, let's say that Kansas will get there again and NFC I don't know they've always Seattle um, they are always tough to beat and they clearly uh, are, are loading up on the next few years as being uh, a big Super Bowl window for them they've put a lot of money into big time players so uh, let's, 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 let's go with Seattle for the NFC Okay, Ian, how would you see it going? Um, I think it's going to be the Patriots from the AFC. Um, I don't think they're going to stumble. Um, I think they're going to just do what they always do. Um, and uh, NFC, I think, maybe be a bit tighter. Um, I'm going to go for an outsider, and I'm going to go for the Falcons. Okay, is that is that your prediction wow. or your safe word? Uh, <laughs> no, I would say Falcons is my safe word. <laughs> <laughs> the, the guys in the SR, S&M club will be looking at me like what's he going to win about um, the, I think it's going to be the Patriots that are going to win it I think the Falcons will, will get there um, I don't think the Falcons will get there with Todd Gurley I, I think he's going to be defunct but I think they're going to get there and I can't let you guys go. We, we, we touched on it briefly, but I mean, it's great to see that the XFL is going to come back. I mean, it just goes to show if you're a bad actor and you make a lot of dodgy movies, you can make a lot of money. And The Rock, who was a successful college player, a reasonable college player, suddenly gets his own toy to play with. Uh, are you surprised, Jamie, that he's he's spent this or is he spending other people's money and he's the front? Um, I, I'm not surprised that certainly he's the front because uh, it's just a massive soap opera and quite a hilarious, funny sort of um, uh, side uh, side show to the whole thing. Um, goodness knows, you know, it's got it's got um, it's got a lot of uh, funny storylines running along there, although none of them ever seem to be. Uh, flushed with success so um, let's just say I'm I'm sceptical as to whether he's going to take the XFL to uh, I was going to say new heights but any heights at all and Ian I reckon that all the new franchises should be rechristened but you've got to be called after one of his movies how about that Um, I, I certainly wouldn't like to be known as the nannies or what was it? Was it the Tooth Fairy it was or something like that? Uh, one of his films, the Tooth Fairy. Um, you, know, you, you can have the Baywatch, the Rampage, the Jumanji, you know? Yeah, I, I think um, I think it's his ex-wife that's actually running it, uh, Danny Garcia. I think she's heavily involved with it. It's interesting because Vince, Vince McMahon doesn't like to 
be beaten and by shifting it, shifting ownership effectively looks like the XFL. He he lost, but the the bizarrely the WWE have made a fortune out of um, coronavirus because they don't have to. They brought everything in house to one venue, so they don't have to pay for travelling costs. They don't have to hire venues. Production's all done in the one place, and they've made a fortune out of it because they already had their streaming platform set up. So. I would have thought that they maybe had the financial leeway to actually play about the XFL a bit more. But if the XFL goes ahead um, next year, they could be going up against college football because they wanted to to put it in a, a, a zone where there was no football so they could get the ratings. But with UConn already pulling out, the Ivy League are not playing football until um, 2021. They're going to play in the spring. So... It'd be interesting to see if they're actually going directly up against college football. Yeah, I do wonder if they'll have to wait just a little bit before they come in, just try and get a slightly different window. Gentlemen, it's been fun as ever. Uh, I wish both your teams well come the start of the new season, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks both. Yes. Morning. So fascinating to hear that from the guys. Uh, I couldn't make it, unfortunately. Some stuff came up uh, last minute that I had to go and tend to. Uh, but it sounds like you didn't struggle without me in the slightest, to be perfectly honest. I thought some really it was it wasn't it wasn't the same without you. Oh yeah, yeah you're saying that just to be nice. <laughs> uh, very interesting. I I mean Jamie bold on the predictions an 8-8 eight and eight season for the Giants and the Seahawks in the Super Bowl I mean the 8-8 eight eight had me question them and then he said the Seahawks for the Super Bowl I was like ugh I tell you what I nearly cut him out of that nearly edited it out but um, no it was a bold prediction um, some fascinating interesting points and but I thought you, you all pretty much covered exactly where I'm coming at this but it feels like it's between the top two it feels like it's between the Eagles and the Cowboys then it's the Giants, and then somewhere at the bottom it is the Washington football team. And it's uh, going to be a long, tough season. I thought some really interesting points were raised about the fact that, you know what, maybe they've got the name and they just sit on it for a year because why, why do all the pomp and grandeur about launching a new football team maybe under a quarterback that you don't see as being the long-term solution, maybe under a team that you don't see as being there, the majority of them this time next year. So... I think actually that could be a really clever move on their part. Um, take the time, think about it. It gives them more time to engage with the fans as well and, and get some input on it. So I think that's the one positive coming out of Washington. Um, but yeah, an interesting chat. So where do you see the division finishing? Do you, do you go with the Eagles? Do you go with Dallas on top? So it, I'll be honest, I've kind of flipped between these two. It's And it will. I think it'll be close between the two and I think it can go either way. That's really not much of a stretch to say that. When you look at this division over the years, it's been like that for a while, where there hasn't been an awful lot to to separate, other than 2017 when the Eagles were high flying, um, you know, and it was 13 and three to Dallas's nine and seven in second place. There's not been a massive difference, you know. You're looking back over the years. There's a one between first and second. You know, last year one win difference. The year before one win difference. 2017, four wins. That's quite big. Before that, two year, uh, two wins, two wins, two wins, two wins. One, one, tied, tied. You know, it's 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 a tight division. This traditionally, uh, and you look back over it as well. And in the last five years, uh, three of the teams have won it. You got to go back to 2011 for the Giants, and the Giants aren't doing anything like that. You look at their schedule as well, and they've not got an awful lot of easy games. I'm struggling to see where those eight victories come from for the Giants. I really do. I think if they got to be optimistic, I think they got to try and aim to win six. If they can win six, I think that's a success because that would be the most amount of victory since 2016. And and with the the current climate, with the current opt-outs, with players getting arrested, there's obviously issues that they're going to have to overcome in New Jersey for the New York Giants. But, uh, yeah, I think six wins for them would be the most. So I definitely have Washington bottom. I think Washington will struggle to get two victories. I think they'll get victories. I think that that defense is enough to keep them in games, and all they'll need to do is sneak one. Uh, The Giants, I think, let's say they win six. So then it's going to be a one-game swing between the top two again. And I've got the Cowboys coming out on top. As much as I don't like saying that, as and as a former reformed Cowboys fan, 
Um, I've I've done my rehabilitation. Uh, I've moved on from that period of my life. I was young. I was naive. Uh, I was swayed by the uh, the success of the Super Bowl. The the navy blue was all very cool. I was swayed by the fact that my sister brought me a new a new no she didn't. I brought she brought me a Dallas Cowboys cap when I was just. I think 11 years old. Of course, I was swayed by that. You are swayed by these things when you're young. Not anymore. No, those cowboys. Blah. But yes, I do think they'll win the division by that single game. I think that the Eagles still have enough issues and gaps. And, you know, as much as they've got a bunch of injured players back, injured players take time to come back. Um, and I think that inevitably with the no preseason, there's always a risk that that's going to take longer for them to get there. It's also going to be the case that you might see more injuries up front. Uh, and therefore, I think they've got a, a challenging season ahead. They're good enough to be competitive, but I'm not sure they're just good enough to win the division. So for me, Dallas, Philadelphia, New York, Washington. Um, if we move on from that then, Paul... I've not even told you this yet. Um, we have our week one live event coming up. And we've got our party packs that we've been selling. Now, we've sold half, which is great. We've still got half left. I think we've actually just got slightly less than half now. But um, this is great. You know, the, people are buying them up and it's brilliant. The buzz has been superb. We're really excited about this. What we're wanting to do with this is we want to just have this as part of an event. You know, a bit of a celebration to kick off week one together. We were wanting to do this stuff face-to-face. We love doing these live events. There's nothing better than getting the buzz off NFL fans together in a pub, and we're just not going to be able to do it. You look at the situation in Aberdeen this week, and, you know, we don't know what's going to come between 9th and September, so there's, we just thought there's no point in doing this, setting it up to fail and, and be lacklustre and disappointing. So we're doing this online. We're doing this with a party pack. You get your six beers. You get your exclusive NFL Scotland glass which is brilliant, by the way. I've been using mine. I know that I shouldn't really be using it till week one, but I have. It's, it's great. Um, there's also uh, Chipotle hot sauce from the Bonnie Sauce Company, and we're going to give you some details about what you can do with that. But we're doing competitions, right? Um, and I, I can't even remember what we've talked about so far. But what we do have is we've got a Jacksonville Jaguars jersey uh, that was worn on the field by one of the flag bearers, so it's a proper high-quality jersey, one of the ones that you're paying, like, I think they're about $200. You know, it's proper yeah. high quality. Um, signed by D.D. Westbrook as well. So this is a really unique item. You know, this isn't a standard D.D. Westbrook top signed by D.D. Westbrook. This is a top worn on the field by one of the flag bearers. So Jacksonville Jaguars, it's got number one on it, and it's signed by D.D. Westbrook. Now, we are not running these um, boxes for profit, so some of the money that we do make from this is going to go to the Highland Wildcats. They were they were the, the ones kind enough to donate that item to us, which was lovely of them, but we want to give them something back. So some of the money that we raise are going to be donated to them. We're also working with other um, Scottish teams. We've already worked with the Edinburgh Wolves. Um, more details on that to come. We are going to be working with the East Kilbride Pirates. That's definitely going to be happening as well. So, you know, we want to engage with the football teams and try and get as many people together as possible. But there's one bit of news as well that we've got. There's going to be one other thing coming into play here. Claire DeBear. Now, most of the people that listen to this podcast will be very familiar with Claire. If you've met her, she's a massive personality. She is so much fun. She does so much work. She gives so much stuff away. And if you don't follow her on Twitter, make sure that you do. She's bought a pack, right? She's really excited about this and is, has been in touch with us uh, a couple of times. Well, she got in touch the other day because she's bought a pack and she wanted to do something. So she is sending up an item that's going to be sealed. We're not even going to open it. We don't know what it is. And we'll do a little video when it lands to, to kind of tease this. But what we're going to do is we're going to put this item. It's a signed item that she's had signed personally by the person. So she's met the person in London, got them to sign this item, and she's given it away for free. What we're going to do is we're going to put it into one of the boxes. So one of the boxes will be picked at random, and that item from Claire de Bear is going to go in there, and we're going to give that away as a prize, which is brilliant. She's also given us something called a golden ticket. So she does her draws. Someone who buys one of the boxes is going to win this golden ticket. And what that entitles you to is five attempts in her draws so normally you retweet you get one attempt she's put in a golden ticket so it's someone who buys one of the boxes will get that as well we've got other prizes to come as well and more details on that to to follow very very soon so and the only way to win these prizes is to buy a box that's the only way that you can be part of this so as well as all the stuff that you're getting exclusive as well as access to the event 
you're also getting into these draws that only you can win. So there's only a limited number. So your chances are decent on this. If you buy more than one box, your chances are double. But um, yes, do do buy, do drink responsibly, uh, and hopefully you'll be part of it. Okay, so that's that done then, Paul. Any other news items tickling your fancy before we wrap up? No, I think the, the only thing is probably worth saying, Cameron, is that if anybody sees people giving NFL players a hard time who have decided not to play in the season, I think the Scottish term is they can go and do one. Yes. Uh, if players want to opt out, players want to opt out. There is not, I believe, a single player opting out for bad reasons. And I think if a player decides that 2020 is not for them, for whatever reason, they, you know, health, etc., family, then that's absolutely fine. You know, they've got my full support and uh, I think people should just give them a break on Twitter and social media. That's their call. It might hurt your team. That's just the way it goes. Let's just respect the people for who they are. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And obviously the deadline for that today. So far, there's uh, over 60 players. That number could have been a lot higher. Uh, actually, the number, you know, it looks big. You know, that's a, it's a roster's worth of players are going to opt out. But, you know, the, a lot, as you said, a lot of these guys have got, whether it be health issues themselves, whether it be health issues in the family or young families or kids, people that they just don't want to risk this. I completely understand that. Other than that, I think the only other thing that came up was the XFL, which I thought was really interesting to see The Rock uh, uh, investing in that. So the XFL doesn't wholly go away. It still remains in the wrestling world in some way. So the ties to the WWE, WWF still there. Uh, and I take exception to your comment about him being a terrible actor. I think that he is not necessarily an Oscar winner, but he is more than um, decent. Uh, some of his films may have not been the best, but I don't think he can be questioned himself. And Jumanji the, oh, the, is magnificent. <laughs> the only Oscar he's going to meet is Oscar the Great Church of Sesame Street. <laughs> right, okay, well... <laughs> On but he's good, but he's good. <laughs> yes, he is good. On that note, that's the full-time whistle then for episode 109. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Share your thoughts on this episode via Twitter, at ScotlandNFL, and on Facebook by searching for NFL Scotland. We're growing all the time, and in parts of the world, we still quite believe. However, we need your help to keep going. We appreciate every retweet, share, love hearing your thoughts on what we've been discussing on the podcast. Next up, we head south as we focus on the AFC, and we've got a returning Texan fan who's got some work to do on selling us on the positives of that trade. Yeah, there's been some Twitter shade all about that. Thank you to Jamie and Ian for joining us. Thank you for listening and taking the time to share your thoughts. Go buy one of our week one party packs. We'll leave you now with a different exit tune. We'll be back next week. But until then, we're big in Japan. Big in Japan.